Hey friends and welcome back. I'm Andy Jenkins and I'm back at the Hilltop sitting in my office. I actually have a really quiet house today. Uh, kids are at school and you know we, we work from the house. Beth has actually taken Anna. They have ridden to go visit a college. We, we're kind of in that stage where you know we're not going to have an empty house for a long time. We have friends our age that are in that season where they're like, oh, we're empty nesters. The reality is we will probably never be empty nesters. 10 kids, uh, the oldest are 21 and 21, and the youngest is eight. That means that by the time the eight-year-old, that gives him 10 years, right? 10, 10 years until that dude is trying to spread his wings and fly. Well, correction, he's spreading his wings now, but not yet attempting to fly the coop. By the time he flies the coop in 10 years, that means the oldest ones are gonna be 21 and the ones coming behind them are gonna be, well, they're gonna be 31 and, and they're gonna have the ones coming behind them are gonna be, uh, what, what is that gonna be, 29, 28, you know, 27. Like, like The reality is by the time the youngest one is up and contemplating getting out, they're going to be grandkids cycling back in. And even now, uh, this past weekend, kids were all here, uh, except for the ones that live out of state uh, and have their own apartments because they, you know, they're they're grown. They're they're officially <laughs> they're officially adults. That that's kind of odd to say. Some of the parents that are uh, in that season know exactly kind of that half laugh and half like, yeah, they're they're crushing it, and they are. They're doing incredible work, um, but simultaneously, you know, like they're 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 your kid. So. Minus three, not in the house because they have their own places, yet somehow we accumulated like seven, literally seven more boys. And that sent us ripping through about $500, $600 of groceries in a two-day period. Super strange. So when I say I have an empty house, it it's kind of one of those odd things. Like it's, it's really bizarre that there is no one uh, no one here even though we have an open door policy and even though we always tell people hey anytime you're in town just drop by and people are in fact uh, one of the people that uh, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with this is uh, coming to town in I think about two weeks from now three weeks from now you know it's just really odd that I'm here in the office this big windows that we put in the office overlooking all the trees and all this great area um, in total quiet. <laughs> Yet I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm enjoying the quiet and that's really what gave me the open space to talk with you today. Here's what I want to do after all of that long intro is hope you're having a great day. Hope that you're enjoying the drive or the run or the exercise or the chores or whatever it is that you're doing right now. I want to continue the series that I've been doing on here about identity. And I've been taking the information straight from the new material that we're releasing. We're in the process of letting that stuff drip out right now. The Life Lift material, which is all about finding and fulfilling your purpose. I really believe God has you here for some design, some intention that no one else can fulfill. They, they can do similar things, but they don't have the call, they don't have the same capacity that you do. 
It's, it's all like we are some part of this divine uh, handprint that God may, wants to make on this planet. And in the same way, all of our fingerprints are uniquely different. You know, in some sense, you and I are each one of those touch points, different, unique, part of the whole for sure. In fact, the, the Bible uses that metaphor of the body, the, the body of Christ, that we are somehow part of the whole together yet simultaneously even though we're interdependent upon each other we're, we're we're unique and it's this incredibly complex but beautiful picture and so today i want to continue talking about identity here's why if you don't get the identity issue settled you'll seek to fulfill the identity with the things that you do outside of yourself and so we want to settle the identity issue first and so we've discussed over the past five episodes here we've really uh zoned in on the reality that number one jesus reveals who god is and what god's like but number two jesus also reveals who we are what we're like and that means number three that we have been included in every significant point of his life including the death burial resurrection all of that we live as we discussed in the previous episode a resurrected life and that now means that not only is that resurrected life alive it is living the presence and the empowerment of god on this planet and so i want to roll you into lesson number five from life lift this is a pre-recorded video so i'm going to talk about screens and slides and all of that if you want to access those Get a hold of the free book. Uh, if you pay the shipping, I will mail it to you. I put a link in the show notes. We haven't even promoted that as of the recording of this, so you're kind of getting in first. And uh, when we send you the book, we'll also give you instant access to the ebook to where you can see that, it's full color, uh, all of that. So uh, without further rambling, I've now done a six minute intro. Thanks again for joining me. Here is the lesson all about you living the presence of Christ right now on this planet, wherever you are. Grace and peace. I hope you enjoy. If we're living the resurrected life, it makes sense then. And if the fullness of Jesus, which is where we left off, is inside of us. Okay, The fullness of God was in Jesus. The fullness of Jesus is now inside of us because uh, as Paul says in Colossians 1, it's Christ in you that's your hope of glory. If that's true, and, and we all believe that's true, then that means while we live now that for us to live, this is just quoting a Bible verse, for us to live is Christ. Okay, I've been crucified with Christ. That's another verse. The life I live now so living now is, is the life of Christ inside of me. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that said, let's just roll right into it. This is the lesson on Jesus in the world. Here's the main idea. The risen Jesus now lives in us, expressing himself through each of us. So that's through me. That's through you expressing himself to the world in which we live. Here's the main idea that we lead off with, okay? Christ being formed in us, it's bigger than having a moral compass uh, or keeping a standard of rules. Now, so often we reduce Christianity to just a list of rights and wrongs, and most often it's that we focus on the wrongs and the don'ts more 
than anything else. You, or you could just kind of <laughs> boil it all down and say some people would think Christianity is just about, if you wanted to summarize it, put it on a three by five note card, carry it around, don't. Don't do this, don't do that, don't, 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 don't. Here's the deal, though. Christ being formed in you, it's bigger than that. For certain, there is a moral compass to Christianity. Uh, it's not legalism. It's safe. And in fact, in a few uh, lessons here, we're going to talk all about how to bulletproof your life by strict, freeing adherence to the Word of God. One of the concepts that we pull in LifeLift that you've seen, uh, let me just see if I can find one of the slides up here uh, for you, is the concept here of instructional obedience. You see it right there on the far left side of your screen. What has God already said to do? So many people want to find, look on the far right side of that, their spiritual gift. They want to walk in supernatural empowerment, but the place to begin is really what has God said to do. So for sure, Christianity does have this element of what we're going to call instructional obedience, but it's more than that. Christ being formed in you is not just about only keeping a moral compass. It's not just about doing things in a specific way, okay? The early church was known not only for what they believed, or even how to behave. This is empowering right here for you. But also for the power that he, that's Jesus, and they demonstrated. Okay, so let's put it together. Christ being formed, it's bigger than a moral compass. It's bigger than just the standard of rules. The early church was known not only for what they believed, not only, for, again, for, their, the, for the behaviors, for what they did or didn't do for the moral compass that have. People in the world do this, but people in the church, we do something different. They were known for the power that Jesus had. They were known for the power that they demonstrated. Where do we get that? Acts 11, 26 is one of many examples. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, that word Christian right there, this is something that we almost miss because it's so familiar with us. But, but that term Christian, it comes from Christ, which is the Greek form of the Old Testament Hebrew Messiah, which means anointed one. Uh, the, the Messiah, the Christ, was one who walks in God's power as he fulfills God's purposes here on earth. The first disciples, as we say right there on the slide, were named not after Jesus' name. They weren't called Jesusons. They were named after his anointing. They were called after the power that he demonstrated. And this is a radical idea that gives us a glimpse into what people in that culture thought of them and a glimpse into how we should walk. Point number two is this, the full formation of Christ in us. It includes the resurrection power moving through you and through me also. Okay, so we live the resurrected life, but we know that the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead now lives inside of us because of that resurrection. So when Jesus takes, as we learned in the previous lesson, that, that old line of Adam, he becomes the last Adam, and he, as the last Adam, is the second man and launches a new humanity. It's not just a new humanity that's free of sin. It's a new humanity that is free to walk in the resurrection power of the spirit that floods, that infuses all of life. Now, Paul, great passage right here. My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I love that passage. Christ 
is formed in you. This is the church at Galatia that had stepped into legalism. They had stepped into the rules. They were thinking that somehow circumcision and rule keeping and the form of religion was really kind of the high benchmark. And Paul said, well, hold on, hold on. And you know, he's not against circumcision. You've read the text. You know that throughout the New Testament, he says, hey, if, if, if you want to do that, do it. If you don't, if you like there, there's some kind of freedom that Paul has, even in things such as meat sacrificed to idols. He says the, the, the legalities, those don't really do it. I want Christ to be formed, to be fashioned in you. And that's bigger than just the rules. Another passage, very similar, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You're not in the flesh. That's okay. That's neutral. That's our body. That's our mind. That's our emotions. You're not living from that. You're living for the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So ask the question right there. Does the spirit of God dwell inside of you? And the answer is, and we'll, we'll take a deep dive on this in part number two of the framework here. The answer is if the spirit of God lived in you, yes. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. But, but if you are Christ, the follow-up would be right there, then, then you do have the Spirit. Okay? If Christ is in you, right here, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. What's Paul doing? He's giving us a glimpse of this resurrected life that is talking about Christ infusing, filling, flooding, expressing himself through us. This continues, same thought right there. So we're Romans 8, 9 through 11. Here we are continuing the same passage. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who right now dwells inside of you, somehow waiting to burst forth to express himself to the world around you. Your full potential then, my full potential is to express his presence and his power through us, not just to follow rules. Now, again, morality, it's important. We're going to talk about that uh, in another lesson, but our full potential is to express the presence, power of Jesus moving through us. Uh, here's, here's a great passage, and this is going to be an incredibly insightful concept, I think, that's going to help you apply this. This is from Colossians 1, Him We Preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. That word perfect is a concept we're going to repeat over and over. I think about three times over all 20 of these lessons. We want to present every man perfect in Christ. That word perfect, it doesn't mean without flaw, like you and I use that word in the English language. Uh, the word perfect in the Greek is the word teleos. So Paul is saying we want to present every man teleos in Christ. The word means reaching full potential. We want to present every man teleos. We want to present every man right there. We want to present every man teleos reaching his and her full potential in Christ. Again, it doesn't mean without flaw. It means reaching full potential. Here's the full potential. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The full potential of you, 
the full potential of me, the teleos that we have is to express the life of Christ through us. That leads us to this second main point, point B, once Christ is formed in us, and I, and I would say this is an ongoing activity. This is not a, a one and done. This is something that we are constantly in process, as we saw in 2 Corinthians 3.18, being transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. Once Christ is formed in us, for me to live is actually for Christ to live. That's what Galatians 2.20 just said, is for me to live is for Christ to live. Here's the passage. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, I live. Yet not I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. So I live it in the, in the body, live it with my mind, live it with my emotions, live it in this physical world. So here again, is the idea of the flesh isn't bad. The flesh is neutral. It can be used for good purposes. It can be used for harmful purposes. But Christ lives through us. So once Christ is formed in us, our full potential, as Galatians 2.20 just said, is for Christ to live through us. That means several things. We'll give you several ways we express that. The first one is this. We have the mind of Christ. That means we have access to what he thinks about on any given situation. You can, when you flood out and drown out all the negative emotions, when you remove your will from the equation, you can think the very thoughts that God would think. You have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16. Who can know the worst thoughts? Who knows enough to teach them? Well, the answer is right here. We understand these things. How do we understand these things? Well, Paul gives us the answer, for we have the mind of Christ. Number one, for you to live is Christ, and for Christ to be formed in you because you have the mind of Christ. Here's number two. You've been given a spirit. We've been given a spirit. So his presence is always closer than close to us. It is radically intertwined. 1 Corinthians 2.12, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So Jesus in the upper room, he told the disciples, you know, I go to prepare a place. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you is what he says in Hebrews. He said back in the upper room, and if I go, I'll send a helper. Yet he left, yet he's never going to leave us or forsake us. How does that merge and how does that mesh together? Because the Holy Spirit, we've received not the spirit of the world, we've received the spirit who is from God. Why? So that we can understand what God has really given us. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit came, he would give them recall of the things that he taught. He would remind them. He would speak to them. He would be with them. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 right here reminds us that who it is ever is united with the Lord is one spirit with him. So this is how we fully live out the expression of Christ. Well, number one, we have the mind of Christ, okay? Number two, we've been given a spirit. Number three, we have his desires coupled with his ability to actually do the will of the Father. We have his desires coupled with his ability to do the will of the Father. Here's the verse, Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you to will. So that's to desire. That's, that's to want. That's to anticipate. That's to long for and also to act, to follow through in order to fill, fill his good purpose. When Jesus was here, we talked about this in lesson number one. He did the deeds of the Father. He said the words of the Father. Now you and I have the capacity to do that. 
Why do we have the capacity to do that? One, because we have the mind of Christ. Number two, because we've been given a spirit. Number three, important, we have his desires coupled with now his ability to do that will. Number four, uh, now this is a major idea here. We will do greater things than he did. That is, we'll serve beyond our personal capacity and we'll do things at the capacity, at the level of heaven. And, and this is not just in the church. This is in your daily life. You will parent at the capacity of heaven. You will serve your neighbors at the capacity of heaven. You will do your job as an entrepreneur, your job as an employee. You'll, you'll teach, you'll share, you'll lead, you'll, you'll tend, you'll grow, you'll create at the capacity of heaven. Why? Because the spirit of God goes with you everywhere you go in the life that you live every day. He doesn't just check out. Uh, when you leave church, the building, and then check back in when you go back into a building that's rented or owned or mortgaged by the church, it, he is with you everywhere you go and do greater things. John 14, 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. When Jesus goes to the Father, what does he do? He does what we're going to study in part number two of the Life with Framework. He sends the Holy Spirit, and this Holy Spirit now is the presence of God actively with us. Here's another main idea. All of this looks like Jesus, yet it also looks like you. It looks like the Savior, yet he expresses himself through your personality. It looks like you, but it also looks like him. Idea number one here is this. When we do something then, when we serve, when we teach, when we lead, when we show mercy, when we give, when we grow, create, it's as if he does it. Paul says this in First Peter, or Peter says this in First Peter 4, 11. It says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If he ministers, let him do it as with the ability with which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Notice, if, if you speak, speak as if God's speaking through you. Now, in the ancient world, people might go to a well or to a temple or to what they called an oracle and anticipate that God was going to speak through that place. What Peter's taking is, a, is an idea that people in that culture had, and he is transferring it in a radical way and say, God now does this, but he does this. He expresses himself through his people. Why? Because for Christ to live is for you to live, and for you to live is for Christ to live now through you. Now, Paul, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, we talked about that in lesson number one, that when Jesus was in the world, he was doing the will of the Father. Now then, second part of this verse, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, as God is doing his thing through me and through you. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Another passage, Philippians 1.21, for me, to live is Christ. Now notice that. To live is Christ. To live is not about Christ. To live is not just to glorify Christ. To not live is not just to share about Christ. All, all of those things are true. But for you to live actually is Christ. To die is gain. Why is it gain? Because you get to go be with Christ. Here's really a review of some of the concepts that we just looked at. Uh, for me to live is Christ because, uh, number one, you have the mind of Christ. Number two, 
You've been given a spirit. Number three, you now have his desires. And number four, you can follow through and do what he would do and even do greater things. Here it is. You have the mind of Christ. Number two, you've been given a spirit. Number three, his desires with the ability to do his will. Number four, greater things, even at the capacity of heaven. And then we tie it all together right here, because when we do something, it's as if he's doing it. This is what it all means right here on this graphic. Again, you have the mind of Christ. You've been given a spirit. You have his desires. You could follow through and do what he would do, even at a greater level, at the capacity of heaven. And this is something that I believe Jesus wants to do through your everyday life. The result of all of this is divine partnership at a high, high level of intimacy, at a high level of, let's use the word connection with your heavenly father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote it like this, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. Why? Because God overcame a lot to claim Paul and to grab hold of him. He was leading a life where he was persecuting Christians. His grace toward me was not in vain. Now notice this. The same grace did this. I labored more abundantly than they all. And he's talking about the other uh, apostles there. I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet it was not I that was laboring. It was the grace of God that was in me. So what was doing the work in Paul's life as he served, as he spoke, as he wrote the scriptures? He didn't even know he was writing scripture at the time. As he's, as he's teaching people in the synagogues, as he's, as he's loving people, as he's building the church and training new leaders and appointing people and calling out the greatness of people that God has put inside of them from the beginning. What was doing all of that? It was the grace of God, the grace of Christ in him. Paul was doing it, yet Jesus was doing it. Why? Because for Paul to live is for you to live is Christ. Uh, another passage, he says that we're always carrying around in the body. We're always carrying around in the flesh. We're always carrying around in our mind and our emotions, always carrying around in our body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. Now, th this is important in our body, not just in our spirit, but in our body and the things that you do, the places that you go, the things that you say, the things that you think the thoughts, the desires, all of that is an arena where Christ wants to express himself through you. Now, this verse right here is John 1, 16, probably one of my favorite verses in the scripture. Of his fullness, we have all received in grace for grace. This is revelatory about this whole idea for Christ to live through you. And for you to live actually being for Christ to be alive, to be walking around on this planet right now. Of his fullness, we've all received and grace for grace. Now, in the English language, that sounds really redundant. It seems like John is writing the same thing, grace for grace. We, we kind of miss the gravity of what's going on here. Um, in the original language right there, the Greek language, grace for grace, it's two different words. It, it's really... Uh, and of his fullness, we've all received Karen for karatos. Karen for karatos. Now, that word for in the Greek language, it's more like uh, instead. It's a comparison. Here's an interlinear Greek Bible right here. Now, if you look kind of in the middle right here, Karen for karatos, or on the bottom, grace for grace. 
the better translation right there of four is anti is kind of not not against as in an anti-aircraft missile or an anti uh nuclear device or an anti-theft device it's really more subtle in that greek language it's instead of we, we've received grace instead of grace we've received karin instead of karatos in other words he's saying we had karatos uh karatos is this one we had karatos but now we've received Karn instead of Karatos. You had Karatos, now you have Karin right there instead of Karatos. You had Karatos, now instead of that, you have Karn is another way to say it. Here I have it on another slide. And, and of his fullness, we've all received grace for grace. Okay, again, you had Karatos, now you have Karn. And the root of both of these is grace, but they're emphasizing two slightly different things. You had Karatos. Now you have Karin. What, what does that mean? Karin is the divine animating life-giving presence. Karatos is a pleasant disposition or favor. What John is saying right here is you had Karatos. You had a pleasant disposition of God, God's favor upon you. He looked at you and he was not against you. He's for you. A lot of people think God is against them. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. While we were still enemies of God, he gave himself. Christ died for us. Why was he doing that? It wasn't because he was at animosity with us. It's because we were hostile towards him. We were sinning against him. And he overextended himself and gave himself for us. You had a pleasant disposition. Now, instead of that, you have the divine, animating, life-giving presence of God inside of you. And that's why that's one of my favorite verses here in, in all of the New Testament, uh, certainly in all of this study here. Now, all of that leads me to this. Here's really the, the final main point of this lesson, and then we'll, we'll tie it all together right here in just a moment. In the same way, that Jesus was sent to reveal the Father. We saw that. In fact, I'll show you the graphic again in a moment. So also, you are sent to reveal the Father. In the same way Jesus was sent, you also are sent. So here's just, let's just say it. Jesus sends us into the world. Uh, there's a passage in the Bible that says that. As the Father sent me, I send you. Here's maybe just some ideas that we can start stacking together then. Colossians 1.27 says that Christ in you is your hope of glory. Galatians 2.20 says that you've been crucified with Christ, and that the life that you now live in the body, in your flesh, is actually lived by Christ. Where is he? Well, Colossians 1.27 says right here, Christ is in you. So that, that makes sense. Philippians 1.21, it says that to live is Christ. Again, it's not about Christ. It's not for Christ. It actually is Christ. In Colossians 1.29, a verse that we looked at a moment ago, it tells us that Paul worked, yet according to him, it was God that was working powerfully in him. It wasn't just him. God was working through him. Okay, 2 Corinthians 13.4, it reminds us that we live by the power of God. Ephesians 3.20 says that when he does something, God does it, Christ does it according to the power that's within us. Ephesians 2.8.10 says that God created us for good works. He planned them ahead of time, ahead of when we would arrive. We simply show up and we walk into those good works 
that he's already foreordained for us. In other words, let me let me tie all this together that we've been looking at really as we round out lesson number five here, as we round out part number one of the framework here, all on identity. In lesson number one, we learned that Jesus reveals the Father. This is a graphic that we've been building over the last few lessons. Jesus here in the middle reveals and shows us what the Father is like. Everything he did was to show us that. We did not have a direct line of sight to the Father. It was an indirect line of sight. But we know what the Father is like because Jesus was seen in human history. We can look at Jesus. We can see what Jesus said. We can see what Jesus did. We can see how Jesus interacted with people. And because all of that, we know what God the Father is like. By the way, the Father sent Jesus to do this. And when Jesus was sent, Jesus doesn't just show us what God the Father is like. Jesus reveals what God's like. But Jesus was sent to also reveal what we're like. The fullness of God is in Jesus. The fullness of God is now in us because the fullness of Jesus that is full of the fullness of God is inside of us. As we put it all together here in this lesson, we see this, that Jesus, again, let's just look at it, build it all together, reveals the Father who sent him. Jesus reveals us, but now we're seeing that we reveal him. He sent us to do this. The fullness of God is in Jesus. The fullness of Jesus is in us. We are intertwined and totally wrapped up with what he is doing here. All of this is in the workbook where you can look at this, you can see this, and more importantly, let this soak into your spirit so that you can, most importantly of all, live this truth. That leads me to this. Jesus sends us into the world to reveal what he is like. In the same way Jesus came to show us what the Father's like, now Jesus sends us to show other people what he's like, which reveals exactly what the Father's like. And, and this is, this is going to lead us to this really incredible place where some of the things that the Scripture says are true of him are actually true of us too. Uh, John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the light of, life was the light of men. And notice this, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, right? I am the light of the world. As he's the light of the world, we've reviewed this graphic before. He didn't condemn people. He forgave them. He didn't call sickness or disease. He healed people. He didn't cause confusion about God via the miraculous. He confirmed his identity through the works, suggesting that those works were even proof of the kingdom's presence here on earth. And since we reveal him, since we are a mirror image, as we learned about in lesson number two, and since we've been included in him, as we talked about in lesson number three, and his fullness fills us because we're living that resurrected life, as we talked about in lesson number four, unveiling him, unveiling that light that he's revealing, it is a natural expression of the new life that we've received. Paul says this, once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of the light. Now, now who was the light? Uh, in him was life. And in him was the light of all men. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And now Paul says, you are light in the Lord. You see, Jesus even said himself, Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. And all of that lands here 
on this circle right here, Jesus reveals who you are. You reveal who Jesus is, and Jesus sends you into the world to do this. Now, all of that is going to lead us into part number two, which is living the presence. If this is true, everything we've learned about our identity is true, which I believe that it is, then the best habit that you and I can develop is what we talk about in part number two, presence. Living in constant awareness of his presence is the best habit we can develop. Why? Because as that fills us and as we walk in that awareness of that, that becomes the overflow to the world around us. And that concludes Life Lift Part 1, Identity.